Hey folks, this is Ian Foster, and this is If and When, a podcast where I talk to other creators about how and why they do their thing. To start, I'm talking to colleagues, friends, and veterans of the arts community at home here in Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada. These are not so much traditional interviews as they're a chat over coffee or something a little stronger. So come sit in and have a listen. Hey, hey, how's it going? Um, This is the second part of my conversation with Des Walsh, where we pick up right where we left off. Um, If you haven't heard that first part, go back in your podcast app and check out part one. Um, Thanks for tuning in. Um, It's currently uh, April here in Newfoundland. Uh, I'm having a coffee and recording uh, a couple of intros to episodes of this podcast that I've recorded over this winter. You know, um, when it's wintertime in Newfoundland, you try to find new things to do. And that's what this podcast is all about. Um, just uh, finding uh, like-minded people sitting down, hunkering in and having a good conversation. I hope you're enjoying it so far. There's some really cool ones to come. Uh, I, think, I think I mentioned last week that I'm working on a record with an artist right now, um, and another one actually coming up in, in early May uh, that we're about to begin. So it's a good time. It's a creative period for me. I love being in the studio. Uh, I've been playing a little bit less this year. Um, there's a couple of reasons for that um, uh, that I'll probably get into in, in another episode. Um, nothing nothing too serious, which is good, um, and, and by choice. But uh, it's been just nice to to be a part of the creative process in the studio a little bit, do some writing, thinking about another record. Um, but again, too, too early really to discuss. Um, just trying to enjoy what I consider to be the best part of the cycle for me, which is, you know, playing a chord with a weird instrument and hearing something in there that you had never heard before. That really is the kernel of it, to put it really simply, you know, that moment of creation, that moment of, um, curiosity. That's what I'm, that's what I'm after all the time. And not every part of this cycle, if you're in the business of music is that certainly it feels like a lot of it is a means to an end to get to that point. But when you are in that phase, it's important to enjoy it. And that's what I'm trying to do. Um, I maybe because of that, I've been thinking a lot about purpose lately. I've been thinking about, you know, when you're a musician and you tour and you produce and you write and you compose and you do press for the tour and, you know, all these things, you're doing a lot of things that require different parts of the brain. And I think it's easy to sort of try to try to make a hierarchy, but I don't think that they really work in hierarchy all the time because, Sometimes I am just a producer and sometimes I am just writing. It seems, you know, a lot of the time doing all of, all of those things or a number of them at the same time or some degree at the same time. But, um, it definitely is something that the last year or so I've been thinking a lot about, you know, what, what are we, you know, um, what, what are we doing? What's the day job versus the side hustle versus the whatever, you know? And I think a lot of people would think, well, you don't have a day job, you work in music, but inevitably every job for everyone, even the, the most, um, contract based artist, which, you know, I probably am, you know, I haven't, haven't pulled a, a, a typical T4 slip in, in 15 years from a year round business, you know, it's complicated to, to do my taxes. 
Um, I do a lot of different things. And so inevitably there will be a degree of um, what I do for my day job and what I do. What's the hierarchy there? What's the purpose? What's your main thing you do? Is there such a thing? Obviously, maybe it feels like you're listening to a philosophy podcast now instead of instead of an arts podcast. But Des and I get a little bit into that in our discussion. Um, we talk about the role of the artist and what they contribute and how he has conceptualized his own career. He gives two quotes that I just love, and I guess they're inspirational quotes, but they don't feel as lame as some inspirational quotes. He quotes Seamus Heaney, raise your voice, man. We still believe what we hear. I just love that so much. You could, I could talk for an hour about what that means to me. And he also quotes Mike Wade. And that is, all one can do is plant one's cross, hope it will grow, and eventually provide shade. I mean, powerful stuff, you know, and indicative of the whole chat with Des. And this is just what Des is like, by the way. You could have this conversation with him in the street if you engaged him. He is always this way. This is not interview Des, you know, um, which is one of the things I love about him. So let's pick up where we left off. Part two, my conversation with Des Walsh. What's what's current Des Walsh doing? I mean, I know you're working on a script. I know you're, there's poetry that's always being worked on, at least through Feast of Cohen, if not other things. You're you're been involved as a musician, uh, you know, throughout your year. What, tell me about it. What does it look like? Um, I'm I'm not doing a lot of music. I I do the Feast of Cohen, but I did play. I I I, I played with uh, bands for years. I played with. Uh, I was a I was drummer. I started as a drummer. Mm-hmm. I went from drums to fiddle and guitar, but I, I, uh, I play. I, I like playing at home with sessions with friends. I don't. I don't play a lot out. Um, I still enjoy sitting around the house and 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 having tunes. But I found I've been moving a little more into um, into doing some acting. I I I really do enjoy it. Um. I don't. I don't do everything. I don't audition or pick things for everything because I. It all has to do with the script and the story and who's do, who's doing it. But I, I like it. I enjoy it, and it's a way to for me that I can, I can release some of this, sort of pent up. Stuff that I find you get a good role and a good character, you just throw yourself into it, and uh, and I I, I like that. There's almost a comfort with it, which is really interesting. Because I've always had a discomfort, and everyone one <clears throat> that was very comfortable, in particular, p- performing solo. I'm always like nervous. Mm. When I was younger, I was as bold as brass. Holy <laughs> Christ, was I bold! I, I you're just, Colin Leonard Cohen. Uh, I just thought, you know, I mean, I I took the fiddle out uh, 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 almost thirty years ago with Sean Kane from the Chieftains, who was here. Uh. At a great friend's house, and uh, I mean, I was a scraper, and I played the fiddle like yeah. for him. I'm going to play, and I was just terrible how bold I was, and how terrible I must have sounded. And I, I was never, but but there's something about acting, like it's a solo thing. But but I just, I don't know. It's hard to, hard to explain. I haven't done a lot. 
Well, I, I, of course, I, I worked on your film. I was, I was honored and delighted to do it. But it's something that I've, I've, I've done a little bit more of in the last, uh, last few years. And the, there's something about that whole thing of, of, uh, of becoming another person, you know, and, and just kind of stepping outside yourself. And it's, uh, it's an odd thing. And, uh, but I, 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 I like it. And I, and I like the, I like the energy that you can, you can get from it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess we got to know each other best probably through working on Keystone. You know, I knew you before, you know, I'd done Feast of Cohen and stuff, but, yep. um, but yeah, I remember, and you play a character named Jack who is, you know, uh, struggling with, with memory loss and that sort of thing. And, and it wasn't I, a stretch for me to play that character. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we, I remember going over to your house for the, the, the pre-pro for that. And I still look back on that as, um, uh, some of the the nicest pre-pro to have done, like outside of it, this is, you know, pre-production, you know, a, a script read or these sorts of things. Those th sort of things can happen, but we just had a chat. I mm -hmm. remember just sitting in your living room and having, you know, a glass of brandy yeah. and just talking about stuff in general and then touching back to the character specifically, you yeah. know. And you telling me a little bit about, you know, your own experience with, you know, memory loss and yep. these people you've known and, and all that stuff. And I think it was, um, you know, on the day then to direct, it was incredibly educational to have that info without, mm -hmm. because it didn't feel like we had planned every single move. But it right. felt like there right. was a, a real context and a history for what this character had gone through, just through this casual conversation. You know? Well, it, prep is everything. Is everything uh, in film in particular? I'm sure, but in film, it's it's everything. And then, for me, I think combined with um, with the experience as a as a screenwriter and and a playwright, when I when I have a script that I as an actor that I I see, no, this is a this is a character that I can I can I can I can play. Mm -hmm. That's what makes a difference to me is that I, when I see that when it's written, the character's written in such a way that I don't have to go to the writer and say, look, I think I should, you know, because I never would want to do that. But I think, you know, go inside, I think I, when I see a script that's there that I say, yep, that's, I can play that character. Mm -hmm. That's what makes a difference to me. I, there's lots, and, and, it's, it's, and lots of times with me when I look at scripts or if I'm sent scripts, it's not, it's not that I'm saying the script is bad or the script isn't well written. But I, I'm very, um, um, like, for me, it's like, you know, you're better off getting another actor who's, I think, would do that part much, much better. Mm -hmm. I, I don't do everything because, because of that, that reason. I have to feel that I can, and I felt very much that with Jack. I mean, I, I just, I knew that character. And I, yeah. And I was watching, I was watching my father at the time starting to slide into it. Mm. And, uh. That's kind of what I base things on a bit about, you know, how my father was starting to, he had vascular dementia. Mm. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's what I love. When you, when you can get something to hang your coat on, you know, as an actor, that, that's, that, that's important. And, uh, and that's the importance of, of the, and that's the power of, uh, of of good script of good writing, mm. 
as opposed to, you know, I've seen lots of films, great actors, great performances, but the, the script is fucking shite. Right. And there's nothing, no matter how good you are, there's nothing you can do with it. Yeah. Know? As someone who's not an actor, I find it uh, sort of a, an interesting division for actors who, you know, there's that kind of, uh, you know, there's, there's, I guess, a type of actor that loves to play the roles that are completely zany out there, like people who, you know, clearly are not that actor. Uh, sometimes in films where, like, clearly that type of character does not even exist in real life. It's just heightened to the point of right. whatever. And then there's uh, that sort of what I would imagine, uh, you know, if if I was an actor, perhaps, you know, that that idea of what you're describing, like seeing maybe something deeply personal in yourself uh, in whatever the character is and being able to then channel that into an outlet to deal with with some of those things. But again, I'm not an actor, so perhaps that's uh, either under or over-intellectualizing. No, 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 no. You, you're dead on. It's like, it's, the thing about all of it is that, it's that you know, you if I'm, if I'm all of a sudden tonight, I'm so, oh, geez, I had an image of thought, I'm start writing this poem. I get in the poem mode. Um, if it's uh, two days later and I'm at someone or I'm on says I'm singing you're in you're in the song mode if uh, it's a week later and it's a session of music I got the fiddle I'm in the session mode acting is 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 all that is the same thing it's just that we all it's 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 some kind of it's some kind of almost like uh, with me I I almost get like it in a in a in a wrapped up in a cocoon, and not when I'm saying that because we're well, obviously the session, you know, but 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 I get so involved and so deeply, you know, when I'm singing, uh, I'm singing a lot of traditional, a lot of company songs, or even when I'm singing Cohen, my eyes are closed. Mm. I can't sing with my eyes open, looking out at you. I'm just I'm in the cocoon. I'm just you know, I'm there. And that's, um, I find even with acting, uh, you know, you, you get in the, the mode and the, the director says, you know, action and that's it. Like, and until someone says caught, like, I'm, if you don't say caught, I, I'm there for a week yeah. until someone yeah. says caught. It's, it's that depth of it and there's that depth of everything. And, and it's the same thing with, with writing. It's just that, that intensity and the, I just, I just want to get there. I yeah. really always want to get there. I remember being on set that day, and you know, you have, uh, you have some monologues, you know, uh, in 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 Keystone that uh, you would you would finish a monologue, and I actually remember one or two people like looking back at me, you know, because I didn't cut. Right, right. You know, and uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know if it was, <laughs> you know, it was only my second film. Maybe people were like, "Does he know that his job as director is to say cut?" Like, is it, you know, I'm not sure. <laughs> and I was sitting there being like, "I don't want to cut yet." I mean, it's still happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know. Yeah. Oh no, and absolutely. It's, like, it's always better to let those things breathe. Yeah. You know, if you if you sense that there's a natural, you know, uh, a natural cocoon. Been, 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 been woven. Absolutely, you know, absolutely fine. Yeah, but I, you know, I mean, I don't have the experience that uh, that uh, you know lots of actors here have, and uh, lots of them that I, I, I really, really admire. 
but I've always I've always dabbled in in different stuff. Um, whether it was music, poetry, screenwriting, script writing, uh, uh, you know, playwriting, and and acting, and I and I just find uh, it's not that I'm I'm <laughs> I'm certainly not cocky. That I'm very good at any of it. Uh, I'm fortunate enough that I have you know a lot of people who who uh, who uh, think think I can do it, and and I'm happy to to help them in any way I can, but I'm just uh, I, I I I do I love it all I love uh, I lo- I love I love the involvement and I I also love living in I think one of the most uh, extraordinary. Uh, uh, creative places uh, in the world mm. I just find this this community extraordinary I find uh, I find I mean aside from all the the other reasons that I I, I love it here as, as, as culturally and as, as beautiful as it is I find this uh, this uh, this community extraordinarily supportive of each other in the in the you know the and all and all the, the Literary, music, acting—just, uh, just a great place to to be and live and work. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> there's not there's not a lot of work to go around. But I would never, I would never, I, you know, even when I was starting to write for film, I, I got my, I figured I, I had to. I got an agent. It sounds a bit, you know, I don't mean to sound, oh, I have an agent. But I did, I, you know, because I couldn't handle, I didn't know the, 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 the ins and outs of all the stuff with contracts. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he said to me, he said, you know, it was right after, I, I think it was probably after Boy St. Vincent, you know, because it was, it was, it was, it was hot, you know, it did well. And you're, you're the, you're, you're the hot take it then when you're, when you're right a, a film that does well. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, he was fine enough. And he said, you know, you, you moved to Toronto. He said, I can get you, you know, I can guarantee you. I can guarantee work this. I can guarantee you six figures easy a year. You know, I said it ain't happening, Charlie. <laughs> it ain't happening. I'm not. Uh, I'm not moving. Now this plays back to something you said once to me before about being in a band and the band doing well yeah. and going on tour, and you saying nah, yep. not particularly interested. Yeah, it's fascinating, and it's it, fascinating just because it it uh, kind of delightfully flies in the face of. What I think maybe many would do. No, you know? no, I'm, and, I'm, I, and, and I don't actually. I'm not saying that in a way of like you should have done that. I think that you're actually. It's a sign of integrity that you're following what you actually wanted to do, right? <coughs> well, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm tied to the place. There's no question. So, say that like, was a great line from Robbie Burns. You know, the uh, my, my name is Robbie Burns. I am bred to the plow. Hmm. And I, I just, yeah, this was Red Island. My brother and myself and Jamie Snyder and uh, Derek Pelly and Bruce Cromwell. And the band was, was did really well. It was really, you know, we used to play like the Thompson Student Center to, a, you know, a thousand people. Right. And, uh, you know, all these places, that then like Strand Lounge. And, and anyway, the, then there was this, that's it. They got these, the manager <clears throat> got these bookings. I don't know what it was for like six weeks or something in the Atlantic provinces. And, and the boys said, boys, I said, well, you're going to have to, you know, quickly audition another drummer. Cause I'm not going, <laughs> I'm not going, I'm not going away for, you know. And, um, so that's how I, I stepped out of the band and, and I worked in the new drummer who, who was great. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
who was great. But I uh, no, I was uh, I was in a relationship at the time, and I you know I was very comfortable and very happy. Sure. And the irony of that is, it was funny. I was working on a collection, a new collection of poems, mm. and uh, I just knew. I just knew. I thought, no, if I if I leave this now, or I kind of have the have the, the 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 steam up, you know, to, to stay at it. Mm-hmm. I, I'd lose that momentum, right? And uh, so, I, yeah, I was in. I said, "No, shag it. I'm not. I'm not going to Canada." <laughs> when I'm you when you made those decisions at the time, um, I mean, obviously, you're describing it as you know, it's it was it's a personal choice. It obviously comes down to that. Um, you know, were you talking about that with your own circles in your life at the time? Like, did you find that there was like a support system of people going, yeah, you should do that. Or did you just sort of, this was just your decision and, and, you know, for those, for those big moments. Cause I think as, as artists, we make these decisions on our careers and they're, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be idiosyncratic decisions and they're going to be, they have to be what we want to do. But I find that, you know, the support networks for those decisions you know, have a lot to do with what we decide in the Yeah, end. because <laughs> look, for me, and, and, and I'm, I'm saying this for me, but I, I could almost be point blank and say it's for everyone. Art is, is an absolute betrayal because you betray everything. You betray everything for your freaking work. You betray your loves. You betray your friends. You betray your family. You betray your country. You, it's just when you get that kind of focus sometimes – that's it. Like nothing else matters, and th- and that's that's really selfish and really you know. But that's that's the nature of it. You know, that's the freaking nature of it. You just can't. You know, there's times I get so locked up in it that uh, it's it's really hard. To, it's got to be extremely hard to live with. You know, because it's 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 so it's so focused and so. And then, then, then on the other end of it, for me, I found this particularly in the last few years, where I found it very, very hard, where I'm finding it very hard to, to stay with it. That's why I'm delighted that some of the uh, some of the acting things have come up, because I find it very hard to. Because uh, I find like I'm I'm betraying myself now, in terms of not not being focused, not being disciplined, and not saying, okay, look. Fucking write another screenplay, write another play, write another poem. I I find that I'm 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 removing myself from that because again, as I said earlier, because I, no one's no one's I I don't, I don't have a deadline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I don't have a deadline, I'm the I'm the laziest son of a gun around because I'm uh, I don't have that discipline. Right. But I do find when I'm when I'm in full mode, and lots of times when I've been really busy with, I mean, a couple of years ago I had a, a new book coming out, I had a new film coming out, and I had a play opening at Tarragon Theater, <clears throat> and I was betraying everything because I was just focused on all that. I was that was it, you know. Yeah. I'm sorry. Good luck to you, but I'm you know. Well, and it's such a moving target. I mean, I've told people, you know, to come back to the Keystone example. Uh, you know, I wrote that as a short story uh, that was submitted to a bunch of literary mags, and 
a couple of them were like, we want to publish this. We just got to find the right moment, right. which was a tale of a year, yeah. like probably on that because it's, you know, quarterly mags and all that stuff. And I swear to God, uh, that was published in, I think it was, I think it was Riddle Fence in the end, but that was published in Riddle Fence two days before we started shooting principal Re photography Re on the Keystone film, which was a script that had been submitted and rejected a year prior to that. Right. But both of those things happened in the same month. And that month was uh, at least three years prior. Like that, that month was, you know, three years later after the initial writing of the short story, but before the script, like that one project yeah. had this incredible tale. And that was the same time I was making a record for an artist named Kat McCleavy. Right. Where we were producing a record, living in a house essentially to make the record at the same time that we were, that film was ramping up to production right and it was just a period of time on top of the usual personal shows that i was doing and tours that were being planned it was the sort of make hay when the sun shines thing that i think happens to every artist yeah. and unfortunately the only way to honor that is probably what you're saying to betray it because there's going to be lean times <clears throat> where it's easy to be a quote-unquote normal person yeah and then there's going to be times when stuff like that happens and yeah. if you 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 feel like you'll never forgive yourself as an artist if you don't honor that activity when it finally happens since that's what you were fighting for that whole time in one way or another no no and it can be so it can be so tough and and, and cold and, and self-absorbing you know it's just uh, but when when that's there in front of you like if you, if you can grab onto it and uh, and let it you know it's like again about cone something these, these great images about something about a a ski on its own going downhill. You know, it's like, that's it. Let it go. And if you if you want to stay on it, that, you know, you may, you know, you may hurt people and you, you know, well, not may, you will. And, uh, but if that's the path you've chosen, then, then people either have to understand and understand how to live with that or get out of the way. Because mm. it's, you know, there's no other way around it, you know. Do you find that uh, each one of those things we've talked about, whether it's script writing, acting, writing, writing poetry, do you find that they're offering you different things, or is this ultimately, can you say it boils down to a, uh, you know, like a little bar of energy slash anxiety slash things that need to be gotten out that you can reduce that boiler by writing a poem. You can reduce that boiler by acting in something. Uh, is is it all just an outlet, I guess? No, I, I'm absolutely, what you're saying, for me it is, yes. It's all therapeutic. Right. All therapeutic for me. Um, whatever whatever the the journey is and whatever the whatever the, the, the glass you're drinking from, the the poetic glass, the, the, the music glass, the, the theater glass, the film glass. <laughs> it's just, for me, it's, uh, it, it, it keeps me, um, keeps me out of hospital, you know, <laughs> keeps me out of, out of, out of blackness, keeps me out of dark holes. Right. Right. And I, uh, and I, and I love it. And, uh, if I didn't have it, I'd be, uh, I, I, I wouldn't be well. I know that. I mean, I know myself enough to know that I didn't have some kind of um, um, vent cap, you know, <laughs> some some little, yeah, 
let the pressure off. And I find all those disciplines that I'm, I'm so happy to be somewhat uh, living part of to, uh, to help me uh, exceptionally in, in just mucking through this, this, this shite that we call living. Yeah. I, I relate to that from a, a standpoint of purpose. I've spent a lot of time talking to friends and uh, other artists about purpose lately. And I've come to say to a few people in the last year, like, I feel like if the devil exists, it's not the guy with horns. It's, the, it's that voice saying to you, nothing matters. Mm. Don't bother. What's the point? Yeah. You know, yeah. to me, that's the darkness on the yeah. edge of town, you know, yeah. and that the, to me, making stuff is what, what keeps that at bay. Well, that, and that, that's part of the precipice I walk on sometimes is that whole thing of, no, what the hell? I, you know, I, I got, I got nothing else to say. I, I got nothing, you know, how, how fresh, how new can I make this? Mm. And, uh, and I find it like tough sometimes even reading new stuff like um you know man you got to get me right away i don't care if it's a novel i don't care if it's a poem you know you got to get me in those first of a poem you got to get me in those first couple of lines you mm. don't hook me right there i'm not i'm not reading anymore right literature same thing you got to hook me right away don't uh, don't have me read for you know 10 15 pages to see if this is you know and so then i struggle with that so hard in trying to, you know, put out that that you need line. to make that same thing I, when exactly, you make art, exactly, yeah. which is an incredible pressure. Holy shit! And shite. how do you self-assess whether you're getting someone in the first fifteen pages when you're the one trying to get them? You know, because well, to you, obviously, it's interesting to you. You're creating it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, and I, I just, I, for me in particular, with with poetry, it's. Uh, it, it kind of goes back to that delete button. You know, <laughs> if I can get up, if I write the piece and I can get up the next day and read it again and go, yeah, no, that's okay. And then I park it. And if I can go back to it and say four or five days later and read it and I'm still okay. I know, I know I've got some work to do with it. Mm. I got to tweak some stuff, but I'm still okay. Then I'm, then I'm, 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 comfortable with it but if i write it and you know like yates said again like i've i've gone gone about the house as a man who have published a new book of verse you know all excited if i get up the next day and read it you know mm. it's not it's not working then i know there's it's there's nothing to pursue there's nothing to pursue it's it it's that whole magic and power of 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 the poem that 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 that's immediate. I mean, again, I'm going back to what I said earlier. When I, some of the stuff I've published, it's it's like it's so pathetic and and so, so fucking sad that it's actually in print. That you know, there's nothing I can do about it. But I didn't I didn't have the experience then. I sure. I just didn't have the experience enough to, to hit the delete button. Right. Because then when I was writing those early poems, most of them were all handwritten anyway. Right. And I, I, and or they're on a like a an old, you know, I got, I got, I used to, I remember, I think I wrote, I think it was one, I got this old cast iron typewriter. This like still has the pound note on it for a, 
not not the dollar. It was the pound note. You know, so. <laughs> crank, crank, crank. <clears throat> so, you can sell that for a lot of money now to some hip young writer who oh, wants yeah. to quote yeah. unquote get back to basics. You know. Yeah, Meanwhile, yeah. it sounds like you know we've had a little theme of embracing technology here. Right? I mean, as you said, you can't love the delete button enough. I can't love the delete button enough is right. (laughs) But it's trying to, you know, like all of us, uh, you know, try to have a, have a, we try to have a voice. We try to, we try to make something, say something that, uh, that resonates. And I'm not, again, I don't mean to the world. I mean, to me. It resonates to me. It's something I'm comfortable with, so I don't mind who reads it. Yeah. I I asked, uh, Caleb Mahoney was here, the musician, and I asked him what makes a great song, which is the worst question in the world, and that's why I asked it, you know, because it's like, well, that's, you know, it's a a cruel but good question, you know. And uh, he said, uh, I think believing in it. I think that's the only thing I can come back to. And it's a simple answer, of course, to an impossible question anyway. So you sort of, but but it sounds that that's what you just said. Ultimately, is at the end of the yeah, day, because there's it, the bones of it. There's yeah. the uh, the 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 body of something in a song. It's the rhythm. It's melody. It's uh, did you perform it well? There's all those things. Yeah. Chordal structure. You know, break it down as if it's like a grocery list that you're going to fulfill or something. But at the end of the day, like obviously. There's millions of those songs, and most of them are bad. Well, so. the, the Irish poet Seamus Heaney, who I'm, I'm delighted to say I, I, I did meet, but he he wrote a poem on who Davy Hammond, who was this Irish singer from Belfast, who was actually I could call you know a friend because I I'd met him several times here in Newfoundland and in Ireland. And in this poem that Heaney put on on, on Davy Hammond's album, it's called "A Singer's House." And I remember the line is so beautiful because it said, uh, "Raise your voice, man. We still believe what we hear." Hmm. You know, and that's that's I gotta, so I gotta perfect. Find that. I got to find that's that. That's so piece. perfect for yeah. the, and it's called the singer's house. Okay. And it's raise your voice, man. We still believe what we hear. Wow. And that's so to me so so true about about songs and music. When you say what well, what makes a great song, and I, and I I understand you as a songwriter yourself asking. Caleb is, is interesting as a, as a yeah, yeah yeah so but it's it's that whole thing of uh, you know a song what makes a great song is I, I just think some it sticks with you it just fucking sticks with you for all your life yeah I remember because just the other day like it was so cold I, and it was just person I work with I didn't really know but I I couldn't help because he said Jesus cold and I said and I, uh, uh, Tom Waits is, uh, and I said, there's a cue ball hiker with a cue ball head. He was wishing he was home in a Wisconsin bed, but it's 15 feet of snow in the east and it's colder than a well digger's ass. <laughs> the guy looked at me and said, what? I said, no, no, never mind. You wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't remember, but it's from the heart of Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've said to people over the years that I think uh, that music, uh, like we're talking about music and lyric, I feel like music is the, it's the sugar that makes the medicine go down. Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, like just in terms of, and you can see that used for the dark side in like a really bad kind of maybe a childish pop lyric. But the music is catchy as shit, which is why you could find grown people going around singing words that sound like they were written by someone in grade six. Yeah. Because the music is catchy. 
When it's used for good, though, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. When oh, it's yeah. something like a Cohen verse or uh, Tom Waits or someone where there's this great idea in the lyric and the music is just, it's that sugar on top of something good. You know, it's that thing that it, it gets it into your head yeah. and then you're able to process it yeah. intellectually, yeah. you know. And when it's, it's, everything is like so much of what you, what obviously you, you, you personalize yourself because it has to do so much with the, the you know, the, the emotional space you're in at the time. But for music, like when you, uh, when something, you know, a great song, just a great song, it just, it's it stays there. It's like, for me, it's like, uh, I guess it would be like, uh, you know, however many great freaking songs that Dylan wrote, but for me, it's like Blood on the Tracks. Yeah. yeah. Blood on the Tracks for me is, is one of his, not one of his, one of the, to me, one yeah. of the greatest freaking albums. And again, with me, is always the poem. It's always the poem in the song. Yeah. And that, that, that album. Simple twist of fate, I mean. Oh, Christ, you know. Yeah. And like I said earlier, but like with Cone, with Songs of Love and Hate, you know, I remember I said, I, was, I wasn't very old when that came out, but I, I remember the great on the back, the quote was, uh, they locked up the man who wanted to rule the world, the fools, they locked up the wrong man. <laughs> that's it, Leonard. Well, and, that's, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying that's, you know, that's, we, 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 as, as, Poets, as actors, as musicians, as uh, film directors, as DOPs, as dancers, as singers. sometimes you want to rule the world. You feel that you you say, no, that's it. I'm gonna I'm gonna write this poem, and it's gonna change the world. Yeah, you know, never happens, but you know, there it is. You know, well, if how you could have, you not if feel you, that if way? you had the energy to feel it, that's what's important. You yeah, know? I mean, it's about. Uh, heightening daily existence that's yep. why there's no poems about filling out your uh, the t4 slot on your taxes you know or whatever exactly. you know it's exactly it's just it's just a matter of of how that how that uh, how that makes you feel and not in relationship to anything that that's that tangible how that makes you feel if you, if you are an artist if you are truly devoted to your craft then you you deal with it yourself you deal with it internally you deal with how does this make me feel if this makes me feel good then i'm okay i'll i'll let it out and damn where it flies and damn you know but if you if you don't have that comfort if you don't have that 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 level of 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 some kind of commitment to the peace then 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 you you can you can be fucked you yeah know, you can you can get in trouble Right, and I don't. What I mean, in trouble, you can get in trouble emotionally. You can get in trouble then with the piece itself. If you don't have, you don't have full support of it yourself to to lay it out there and say, okay, here's the poem. Okay, here's the song. Yeah. Okay, here's the performance in this latest film. Like, if you don't have the comfort, then uh, like, like, don't put it out or do something else. Yeah. Become something just as worthy. Yeah. Become a truck driver. Right. You know. I've had this conversation with artists going into a record-making process where they talked about, you know, they're pressured inevitably uh, by the industry, you know, um, 
I hate to say it, but, uh, you know, it seems to be, uh, well, probably to the surprise to no one, women in particular feel those kind of pressures mm -hmm. in the music, male-dominated music industry. That yeah. is changing slowly, yeah. which is good. But uh, you can imagine the classic stories of people telling someone what they should and shouldn't be as if they've got any fucking clue about yeah. what somebody else should be, you know. Yeah. Um, and just, therefore, kind of what kind of record should be made. And I've always come back to the answer that, you know, uh, just from a pragmatic perspective, if you could approach art pragmatically, uh, but, you know, make the record you want to make because worst case scenario, at least someone will like it. Yeah. Because statistically, the chances are the record won't go as far as you want it to go. No. It's already getting harder and harder to have any record heard. Yeah. Imagine making a record, think like hedging your bets somehow because you think it's going to do something, yeah. and then it goes nowhere, yeah. and you're like, "Cool, no one likes this, including me, because right. I didn't even make the record I wanted to make." Right. I mean, it, even pragmatically, you yeah. should just do what you're. You should believe in what you're doing. <coughs> you know, just from a logic perspective. Oh no, it's it's the and, and, and there's no easy, there's no easy uh, like. There's no map for any of this stuff, right? There's no, there's no, you know, you you get a, uh, you buy a new uh, TV with a remote, you got a, you know, guidebook, you know. There's, yeah. there's no guidebook to any yeah. of this stuff, right? There's yeah. no, uh, it's, it's you, you, you're, you're just left adrift. Once you go on that journey, there's no, oh, wait a minute, I got to look at the troubleshooting. <laughs> There's got to be a troubleshooting guide for poets, you know. Right. There's no such thing. You just, you just, you poetry just throw, for dummies. Yeah, you book, throw yeah. yourself out there and, uh, and and you know, and good luck to you. And it's uh, and it's the same for any of those disciplines in the arts. It's there's no uh, there's no easy fix. You know, it's just you 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 work and you 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 keep you keep trying and you keep trying and. And you, you just hope that, uh, you know, the Mike Wade, close, close, close friend, you know, sadly died too, too young. But one of the lines in his poems I always loved was, all, all one can do is, uh, what is it? I, I get this right. All, all one can do is plant, plant one's cross, hope it will grow, and eventually provide shade. <laughs> I just always wow. loved it. I always loved it. That's great. That's yeah. great. Uh, to to bring this, you know, to a to a close, I'm 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 picturing um, Des Walsh out in New Bonaventure, and knowing some of the stuff you've told me about about that house in your life out there. You're going out and you're fishing. Is it lobster that you're fishing? I, I'm at lobster with a friend. I I don't have the license, obviously, but my friend has the license, so I, I lobster fish. I have been for the last several years with him. Yeah. And then, of course, when the when I hate that term, hate that term, food fishery, mm. Jesus. But when that opens, of course, and I get cod, and I, and I salt salt a lot of cod with a friend of mine and uh, who has a, a great, uh, a beautiful tour operation out there, uh, Rugged Beauty Boat Tours. If you ever out in that area, it's it's a great tour, and uh, I uh, I just I, I just love that uh, I love that pace out there, and I, and I love uh, you know, and I and I I, I, I work out of there. I got you know, you got full internet stuff. I'm I can be writing and and working and send. And then the lobster fisherman friend is a very very good accordion player. So we play. We play once a week or so. We 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 uh, we we sit down and, and play tunes. I I get the fiddle out and 
and that's always good. So it's 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 that whole thing of you know, of of of, of creating, creating freaking space for you to work. Yeah. You know? Well, and what's what's fascinating about that is as you describe it now. Uh, I'm seeing a, a, an awesome and interesting duality because you're describing it now and it sounds quite ad- idyllic in many ways, yeah. right? It is, but also what you said earlier uh, about how writing is the hardest thing yeah. and uh, as much as people love to romanticize the history of uh, Newfoundland and the fishery, it's one of the hardest, like it's a physically demanding sometimes dangerous. I mean, you've told me the odd story of a uh, weather rolling in suddenly and you had at least one, one brush you've told me about personally, but like this could go really badly out in the boat. Extraordinary. Right. So your day, your, you, the, 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 the fishing element is like a, a physically and potentially emotionally challenging thing. Yeah. So I could sit here and go, Des, why are you doing this to yourself? I'm picturing the days of physical turmoil and the nights of um, writing emotional turmoil. It all sounds hard. <laughs> I, so there's an amazing duality of those two yeah, realities, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, 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 you know, it is what it is. And the, out there with the, with the, you know, and I'm just at it, just on a, just a real, you know, it's just on, on the peripheral basis. But uh, these friends of mine, uh, you know, they're actually two brothers who who fish together to crab too. And uh, you know, I'm always concerned about them because of course now you got like, what is this now? This is February what, twenty second, twenty third. I'm anal with weather and ice and stuff, so I look at the ice charts around. You know, the ice is moving down now. The ice is moving down. So, so the ice moves in. Of course, that'll delay. They won't be able to get the crab pots out. Because if you put your crab pots out and the ice moves in, you can use the crab pots, and there's no insurance for that. Like you could, there's a, a friend of mine out there last year. He lost ten thousand dollars worth of gear, <clears throat> you know. And it's all, and then again, I just find the last couple of years, the wind, and it's not just me. I mean, I'm talking about this, but the wind has been phenomenal here in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So forget your poetry, forget your freaking music, forget your freaking film, forget your dance. Like there's something happening that none of us are really aware of and uh and i'm i'm not like saying like i'm aware of it more than but i i am aware of wind because i spend a lot of time in a boat and uh and something is happening so why do i do it i do it because uh i i also i'm someone who uh, when i'm in st john's in the winter everything for me is sedentary work i'm basically sitting at an office desk and i'm editing so when I'm out there, I'm physically active and right. I'm moving. I'm right. moving. I'm physically moving all the time. I'm doing something myself, or I'm I'm helping something do somebody do something. Right. So it's and at my age, you know, it's it's I it's important that I I keep active and. God, it's important for all of us. I yeah, mean, yeah. We're all. I mean, the generation, my generation, and the generations before me now are all sedentary because yep. all work is that way. Yeah. All all entertainment is uh, Netflix on the couch. I yep. mean, we all need more motion and yep. and probably to be connected in the way you're describing to realizing that the wind is getting worse. <clears throat> this stuff is going the, on. The wind is getting worse. There's no question. And uh, that's what I love it out there. And then you know, and they're they're very dutiful when they know I'm working. They they stay away. Mm. And uh, when they know that I'm not working, then the door is open, and there's usually a baked pot of grub on the stove, and there's a drink and a, and a tune. And that's I, beautiful. Yeah. I find it extremely satisfying. Love More that. satisfying than trying to finish a goddamn poem. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, what better note is there to end than that? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a million, Des. Thank you, Ian. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Des Walsh as much as I enjoyed having it with Des. Tune in next week, but my guest will be journalist Tara Bradbury. See you then.